0: This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, welcome to Drinking With Authors. I am your host, Erica Lamb. and my co-host is...
1: Vanessa Valiente.
0: And we actually have a Drinking With Authors alum, our first alum. (laughs) We're doing a second interview, which is Mr. John Dover. Woo! Cheers. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about what we're drinking because you just opened something. But I found this and I was super happy about it. I, I have to take it easy. I broke my leg so I cannot be on my scooter too drunk because that <laughs> would be bad. Um, but I found this. <laughs> and it's so ridiculous. It's called Kung Fu Girl. All and right. it's a Riesling from Washington State.
2: Oh, nice! There's just
0: a lot of things happening right here, but I'm super excited about this.
2: Awesome, right
0: there! So much stuff, so much stuff. Okay, what are you doing, Vanessa?
1: I am drinking a uh, sangria, which my sister-in-law like doctored up with some cinnamon sticks. So yes,
2: excellent.
0: I like that you keep swirling it. That seems dangerous with that dark of a wine. You might want to rein that in with your white shirt you've ever on. Yeah,
1: you're right. (laughs) I have a a problem with, you know, dropping things in the middle of an interview, so.
0: Yeah, let's just not spill on yourself. Okay, John, you just cracked open a bottle. Let's talk about what you're drinking.
2: Ah, yes. So today, in honor of my new release, we're going with High West Double Rye.
0: That is awesome.
2: So this is out of a distillery uh, in uh, Utah, actually, of all places. I never, I never bank on uh, Utah distilleries, but this one I, I will, I will give all day long. They're very nice.
0: That is awesome. You know what's really interesting to me is, first of all, since craft beer became much more of a thing. I'm not going to offend people and say it wasn't really a thing, but it was (laughs) really a thing. Um, And it's become such a huge thing. It's true with whiskeys and stuff like that too. A lot of little independent distilleries have popped up. And I thought that was interesting today. Somebody gave me rainforest honey for my tea
1: Hmm.
0: made in Kansas. I didn't know there was any rainforest in Kansas, but (laughs) But it's rainforest version. And I'm like, it says it's from Kansas. Maybe there's something I don't know about Kansas. I've been there a couple times, but who knows?
2: Yeah. Who rem- who remembers any trip to Kansas? Not even the Kansasites.
0: Dorothy, maybe? Maybe. Um, you see that? I made a literary reference. Go me. Okay, John, for our fans that don't know you, which is yeah. dumb, but just in case they don't, let's do a little history of your awesome character, please.
2: All right. Yeah. Well, last time I was here, I was actually promoing a a new book that came out last summer, uh, featuring my my jazz noir uh, character Johnny Scotch. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that which l- l- really had a good good year for that for that release. Uh, that one was, of course, I started drinking whiskey, and now I can't remember my titles.
0: Yeah, it's fine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> whatever right, right, right. no that one's Remember, called that
0: one. okay moving on to the new one
2: <laughs> so that one's runner's blues so the new one is an entirely different endeavor uh this one is actually i call it my spaghetti western vampire novel i'm um,
0: so excited about this i'm so excited <laughs> about this.
2: so uh that one comes out may 4th Ooh, and funny. and any any tricky, tricky viewers might actually even catch a sneak peek at the cover behind me.
0: Oh, wow. That is awesome. Yeah. I love that you also are releasing it on May the 4th. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why I haven't thought of this before. That's brilliant because, well, if you're a Star Wars fan, that's brilliant. If you're not, you just think we're dumb and moving on.
2: Not at all. My publisher actually was a little concerned. He's like, I don't know. Are you, know, is it going to conflict I'm like, no, I don't think this is going to conflict at all.
0: (laughs) Uh, Star Wars was basically a spaghetti western in space. Oh, straight up. The
1: book is a western and it's a space western day. So I think it works. I
2: think it works perfectly. I'm all about mashups. So absolutely.
1: Okay. So
0: let's just go with, um, tell us a little bit about the book without giving a lot of stuff away.
2: So it all opens with, you know, in, in, in my grand tradition, it opens with a dirty saloon and a over-the-top bloody uh, bar fight. So, uh, and honestly, the mayhem just goes from there. Um, I, 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 I will tease the readers a little bit that, yes, there's vampires. Yes, there is a random ghost that I threw in. There's also one extra special character that, uh, I'm very proud of that. Will give the vampires a run for their money.
0: That's exciting. I like mystery. We're dropping mystery. Here's the fun part. He's going to keep drinking whiskey. We'll keep the mystery alive.
1: I have to ask our vampires. What yeah. are they similar? I mean, I would assume yours aren't sparkly. So, oh dear God. Like. Don't offend the guests, Vanessa. <laughs> I just want to
2: know. That's right. It's my job to offend the guests, Vanessa. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: Let him offend himself.
2: Just. Uh, um, on, yeah. I would say the closest like correlation would be um, the, the vampires from Interview with a Vampire. Uh, I really drew from my Anne Rice influence when I created my two main characters because... I, I just love that kind of back and forth, the, 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 you know, one of them's got that kind of power struggle going always. And the other one is always internally struggling with their own morality. Um, whereas, whereas the first one has no morality, which is great. So it, I get to just dive in while I was writing and, and make him as awful as I possibly could. Oh,
1: fantastic.
0: I, I, love, I love everything about that because I, I don't those are the type of characters I feel like I would be when I grow up. That's, that, that's the fun thing. I'm like, okay, walking dead, morality out the window. I'm Michonne. I'm walking around with dead bodies around me. Not the show version of her, the yeah. comic book version of her. Um, <laughs> that That is so cool. So um, where did you get the idea for this, my friend? What, what struck the chords?
2: This actually was conceived a few years ago. Um, I... I partnered with a buddy of mine who now lives up in uh, on the coast in Washington. He runs Alucard Press, of course, Dracula backwards. Um, and uh, I, I wanted to do an anthology project with him, and I, I had this idea of like taking that old West. I wanted to go out of my noir for a bit and play around with something else. So I've always loved you know old you know westerns, and you know that that just kind of over-the-top spaghetti western feel, but I wanted it to have a twist. So I, I just started writing. I came up with a short story, which actually ends up being the primer for the opening to this book. And then I came up with a secondary short story, which when we did the anthology, um, he, he basically made everyone base their, their world off of the world I created with my stories. So it was kind of fun to see other people's vision of what my Wild West was
0: that has to be fun i've done anthologies actually we have an anthology i think that's supposed to come out later this year the beginning of next year which is an old west paranormal romance where everybody's supposed to write a paranormal romance and they pick the town and they you know all the Mm -hmm. happy stuff that goes along with it how was it having people go into your world what was that like when you read the stories
2: you know it's it's really interesting because as as you as you've probably seen with anthologies, you honestly never know what you're gonna get when you open the floodgates and say submissions open. Cause I, I think we ended up with everything from uh time traveling lesbian uh monsters going through the West and such to there was there was some cannibalistic stuff going on in, in that wild west. I mean, just lots of different things. And I
1: great about anthologies is that you know we always think that oh if another book comes out with certain like details that we wanted to write about and you think oh well I can't write that story because someone else did it but when you give like a group of people a specific premise no one's gonna write that same story you know everyone's gonna take you know make you know their voice is unique their take and their perspective is unique so I'm sure you experienced that with with yours as well
2: Oh, yeah, we absolutely did. And we, we got a deluge of stories that, I mean, regrettably, you can't include every single one, but I, I think the ones that we included were really fun. Um, and it was a lot of just kind of up and coming writers who, who have really you know, kept at it. I, I think J.C. Michael is in there. Um, Kevin Kennedy, who's out of the uh, UK, uh, did something for us. And of course, uh, the owner of Alucard Press, uh, Chuck Anderson he has something in there so you know a lot of just very diverse flavors inside that book.
0: And what is the name of that anthology?
2: That is called Tales from the Braided Pony.
0: Tales from the Braided Pony. Okay. We're going to get in as many plugs into this podcast as humanly <laughs> possible. Watch watch me do it. So Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> that that is awesome. Did you were you one of the ones that read through all the stories? Did you decide what went in or not? Like how much role did you play?
2: Honestly, my role was just to create the world that everyone got to run around in. So I I left the hard, heavy lifting to Chuck. Uh, it's his imprint. So, you know, he was the one putting his neck on the line, literally. And then, uh, so I, I just came up with my couple of stories that I really felt strongly about. You know, I, I'm a big... I I really enjoy creating interesting fun characters and it it was really fun to see that world unravel into something completely different.
1: I have to ask, like, how do you, when you're, after everyone's done writing, was it Chuck that kind of like made sure that there was like some kind of continuity with all the stories or that they somehow, there wasn't some kind of element that kind of threw all the other ones off in any kind of way?
2: No, the, the only thing that we, really reined anyone in with was we said, you, you have to utilize this saloon in some fashion and it has to be based in the old West in some fashion. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, just giving you just enough rules that you have to, you know, play, you know, work it a bit, but not so many that you are hampered by, by what you, your creative process is
0: i think that's awesome that sounds i love those kind of anthologies i love themed anthologies not just like this is a book of horror stories like we publish one um every year called demonic anthologies mm-hmm. so this last year we did demonic classics mm. and which was fun like one of one of our editors wrote one on beowulf which she oh. that which i'm like that's a demonic story anyway but whatever you're just cheating Fine. <laughs> um but i took a peter pan and I wrote oh. Tink's version of what happens in Peter Pan. And that was so much fun. But seeing all these, you know, classic fairy tales brought to life. And like this year we're doing, uh, I think, a Demonic Vacations. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> cool.
0: <laughs> so we're writing that. I'm writing about um, a motel that doesn't change the sheets. Which is oh. just going to get yeah, yep, yeah, that same one. Oh. <laughs> Vanessa's still not doing well with it. It's fine. It's pretty. Uh, fun. All I
1: know is you don't need to have like a killer in the room. You just have some dirty sheets and you don't ha- and like a messy, like mysterious stain, and that is enough to scare the life out of me. <laughs> That's
2: it. And then you you make your character a little bit OCD, and it is a horror story the whole time through.
0: You know? Yeah, exactly. Pretty much, it's easy. But I love themed anthologies. It's one of my favorite things to participate in. Oh, yeah. So we we talked to you almost a year ago. I think it was almost oh. a year ago, right? Yeah.
2: Close to yeah.
0: Yeah, so the world had just started its epic decline into pandemic descent when we first started talking. How's mm-hmm. this year been for you?
2: Awesome, no. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, just no I,
2: I, I have to be honest. It was it was not a fun year, and um, mostly because like my my other my other life outside of what I'm writing is as a professional musician. So of course, as soon as pandemic hit that life was shut down except for like teaching zoom to my, to my kids, students and such. But so it's been a year of just being on hold.
0: Do you, did you feel you got more writing done in that year? Were you able to channel it into that? Because there are some people I know that have managed to channel into their writing thing. I don't happen to be one of those people. This year has not been well for my writing, like mm-hmm. my actual writing, because I, it's so weird to me. I'm such a social creature that I, this, I don't know. I need to go into a coffee shop. I desperately Mm -hmm. need somebody to record a coffee shop soundtrack. (laughs) And I just need to hire random people to walk around my house while I'm typing. And I'll be in such a better mental state as a writer. What about you?
2: Very much the same. Um, Most of my most productive time is spent in bars. As far as being a writer goes, and so that's another aspect that just it didn't happen. So it, I did do writing over the last year. I mean, most of it was more technical. I, because uh, I, I, do whiskey reviews for a, a website, and and then I had a lot of editing work to do on the on the uh, the book that's coming out on once a Once Upon a Fang in the West. So I. It, 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 it was, you know, tricky on that sense. It's, it's, it's hard for creatives to deal with having your life upended in that fashion. And I've heard it a lot from other writers as well. It's like, it's, it's just hard to allow yourself into that creative space when you feel like you're in panic mode so much of your day.
1: Yeah, I agree. Because I, you know, used to go to an office for my day job and like you know commute and go do my thing come back home and your home is like your safe haven and then then pandemic happens now i have to work from home which i'm very grateful that i had the ability to continue working but my home my safe haven became a jail cell i couldn't go you know leave my you know leave my apartment and go get a coffee go sit in the barnes and noble and do some writing it was just like depressing and then i would see my laundry stacked up so that just made it worse so mm-hmm. I, I i can understand that a lot
0: yeah no and i think that affected a lot of writers that way i think some people took good advantage of it but i think most writers i've talked to were like this sucks and, mm-hmm. and the worst part was there were times, I'm sure, all of us went, it would just be nice to be able to be at home and not have all these things interfering with my ability to write. Yeah. And then it happened. And I like, <laughs> Can we amend the statement?
1: <laughs> we- Let me
2: back that up one minute. Uh, I didn't mean it.
1: Let's <laughs> rewind. We, we want to rephrase. I, had, I have no kids or anything. So it's not like, oh, well, my kids, you know, were needed homework to do and you know they were keeping me distracted i was no i was alone and i could only blame myself the entire time for not being productive
2: yeah but i i think that 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 whole loss of the social element is what we all missed even if you're not being social when you go to the bar or to the coffee shop or wherever you went you were in amongst that activity and pulling from the energy from those who are around you and when that activity ceases, and the only energy you're pulling from is, you know, your 78-pound pit bull like me. That, you know, it's, it's hard to find that, that time, even though we're inundated by time now. It's, it's still hard to find that creative time where you feel free, where you feel open, and you just want to dive in and escape.
0: How did you find that time? <laughs>
2: I didn't find we're, very we're much hard of
0: hitting questions here. Yeah. On drinking the
2: no. And, and that's fair. I, you know, <laughs> in, in absolute, honesty, I did not find very much of that time this last year. I have a couple of new starts that I think are, I'm very excited about that. Um, honestly, as soon as I got my, <laughs> this has been the weirdest thing. I was talking with my wife about this. I got my second, my second shot the, uh, about a week and a half ago, two weeks. And as soon as that happened is like, it, even though not much has actually changed, like that feeling of change is on the horizon. All of a sudden my 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 dreams have started coming back. You know, I I I've, I've got ideas again and I'm starting to be like, "Oh, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this." That's so,
0: awesome. I mean, it, it's it, I do HR as my day job. So I've been living and breathing Because I I do HR for a global company. I'm over all of the HR aspects. We call it people operations. But Mm -hmm. I have literally been living and breathing this since, like, I sent everybody home two weeks before people started sending people home. I was like, something, Mm -hmm. this is not good, right? And I've been, it's been different for me. And I've seen that with the vaccines coming out. There's a lot of people taking the breaths that they didn't have. At the same time, I'm going, okay, we still have to watch it. The thing that's scary is like, at least for us down here in Florida, apparently per our governor, there isn't COVID in Florida. So I mean, we don't, we don't have a problem down here.
2: Clean as a whistle.
0: Clean as a whistle. No need for anything. But um, one of the things that I found interesting though, is also the people that have taken the vaccine to mean that was the end you get your vaccine you're moving forward you're good to go it's a little scary the people that have gone that the step beyond that i feel like release of pressure versus i'm good to go i'm going to the bar spring break woo and you're like um
2: mm-hmm. no <laughs> no and and you know we here we've definitely been been a much more guarded about it you know i, I i've dealt with this for now over a year just like everyone else and there is so much more work to be done anyways that to just <laughs> basically to to piss on all the work that's been done and then just and say say it's it's all done and i'm ready to go d- makes no sense to me at all
0: no i, I agree a thousand people. okay let's talk about your book release yeah so you can't really go to signing so much right not yet so how are you doing your book release how are you pushing it out i mean obviously you're being on one of the coolest podcasts that there is but
2: obviously
0: (laughs) obviously (laughs) but how else are you doing this book release
2: so on the uh, 7th of may so a few days after the book actually drops i am doing a virtual event um with uh i i always like to do part uh partial readings but with musical background because I always like creating creating in multiple levels when I when I do these things so uh, my my steady guitarist and I are getting together in his studio he's got a great video set up so everyone will get a live show of us you know doing music that we I've written uh, that is connected to these stories and also I'll be doing a little bit of reading with it um, and then we're doing a couple other promotional surprises over the coming months um, some promotional packages I'm in the midst of uh, I'll quietly talk about it, but I'm in the midst of working on a deal with a distillery to kind of put together a package, which would be oh. some whiskey and books and all that kind of stuff. So as that. When it becomes a thing. Yes. I, that. <laughs> I will. So I will let us know them. When
0: we can have whiskey and the book that would be. Yes.
2: yes. Yeah. So, so that's that...
0: nine copies of the book with the whiskey. John Lance. What's yes. Yes.
2: That's the point. And I was stoked because my, my publisher is was is willing to do hardcover and paperback. So the hardcovers are gonna be real fun to play with and
0: that's exciting. Oh my gosh. We're we're venturing into hardcovers now too, which is super exciting. But I you know those kind of stories you want the hardcover. You want that, that, that meaty book in your hand. Yeah. That's exciting. So you wrote music for this. Let's let's go down that path for a moment here, shall we?
2: Yeah, that actually started when I did the anthology that this is all kind of based around. Um, I'm, I, I love putting together little cheesy book trailers for any of my projects. So when, when Chuck and I started talking about what we want to do, I said, do you mind if I put together a whole thing and, and show all the authors and all this? And I, I wrote, I, I like dove into my love of the Spaghetti Western and just listened to a bunch of old Western soundtracks and then composed about a two-and-a-half-minute piece that I, I felt really encapsulate the, encapsulated the idea of the mixing of the horror and the, and the Old West, um, you know, very, very much uh, reminiscent of Ennio Marcone, who did a lot of composing for those Old Westerns, and uh, with a little bit of crunchy electric guitar in there as well, just to add that horror element, so.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah. So are you going to release the album for this, then?
2: Oh no! These are just little trailers. <laughs> They're fun to play live, and I I throw them on the trailers. Uh, if if we if we uh, push it a little further someday, I might write a whole album for it. But.
0: I think that sounds like a good idea. Just throwing it <laughs> out there. I think every book should have a song. So you have this one coming out, but what what is your next? What is your next thing? Are we gonna have some more Johnny Scotch, or what is what's going on?
2: Um, I, I left the ending of my last Johnny Scotch book with a bit of a cliffhanger. Um, so there is a very strong possibility I will kick my butt back into gear and at least deliver one more Johnny Scotch. Um, I, I got so much positive, um, positive feedback from actually my second Johnny Scotch book with the main antagonist in that one. That I I kind of wanted to bring her back because she was such a fun character to write, and she's just like that unassumingly wicked evil that you just kind of love to love to chew on for a while.
0: I'm surprised that that's not brewing more because those are popular. Your Johnny Scotch, you've gotten a lot of feedback on those, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've that's definitely one of my favorite characters and genres to write, and people. People dig them. So as long as people dig them, I'll keep writing them.
0: That's, that's fucking awesome. We should talk a little bit about fans. We're going to have to take a break here in a minute. But let's talk about fans. Because what has it been like interacting with your fans during this delightful pandemic? Because it's slightly different than when you can run into them in a bar. Have you had that experience? Has anybody come up to you and gone, I know you? And
2: Yeah, well, I, I've had a few of those. I mean, obviously not for a while now. Um, oh, I mean, but yes, I I get I, I've gotten pinged a few times for you know personal messages. You know, I I I like your stuff. I'd like to see more. Where's the next thing? So I I get that, uh, but that that always just has that that veneer of coldness because it's it's through the internet, and I honestly I work better when I can actually meet you when I can you know shake your hand and and sign a book and hand it over to you you know that's that's where i feel best so you know book conferences i'm looking forward to eventually kicking back in um you know comic cons i used to do a bunch of since johnny my johnny scotch was a comic book series as well and and then now with a horror book uh, coming out. I'm. I'm also starting to look into you know the horror conventions and seeing how I can get There's involved. There's one in called Man.
0: Spooky Empire down here in Florida. That's mm-hmm. they have one in May and then they have their big one in October. Oh, okay. Just saying, you should you should come down because I will be there. So you should come down and do that.
2: That sounds like a lovely invitation. Yes. <laughs> it, it, is, uh, say, what was the name again?
0: Spooky Empire. It's actually one of the largest horror conventions, but it's. It's down here in Florida and they have a, in October, they have a, a author alley or whatever they want to call that. And so I'm actually hoping with a friend of mine to do some of the panels too. like he's the, the host on some of the panels.
2: I <laughs> love doing panel work. Yeah. 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 I, I've done a couple of, of virtual cons over the pandemic and done panel work on those. But I, again, it's, it's just not the same. Yeah, you, you like you miss that interaction and that that you know energy in the room.
0: Oh, well, totally! I've done maybe three or four webinars. Like, mm-hmm. I do a a whole spiel on shameless self promotion as authors, and I do <laughs> these webinars. And the worst part is, I am great live. I am so much fun, and that's total egotistical. But <laughs> Vanessa will convert. You see me live? I am fantastic. I will get a crowd motivated. We will all be on a journey together. All this, awesome. and I've had to do all these panels and that's just for um you know the publishing and as an hr person i've done i had one place ask me to do the same panel three times for three different groups of people nice. but it's not talking it's me talking trying to be witty and funny not seeing the gauging i can't see a single human as i'm doing this i'm just seeing myself in my slide stock and i'm like this is so weird and people are all like that's so great you did so great and i'm like i felt like i was like rambling in the bathroom by myself or something. Be modest
1: like. Because, I mean, you should see, she has these training videos to motivate yeah. her, her, uh, her team. And what were you, were you dressed up as Effie from Hunger Games? Well, that was not a
0: training video. That was trivia. <laughs> oh, we do monthly trivia. trivia. She and...
1: dressed up as Effie Trinket and she had someone as <laughs> President Snow. I don't know who else was dressed up. They were in full costume for a video for their job and i was like oh my god it was hilarious and obviously and uh, you just recently got an award for being the most amazing um, oh yeah
0: i got the hr professional of the year award for 2021 nice i, mean, she's 2020. good. I can't remember she's i think they gave it out for 2021 but it was in 20 20- anyway Mm -hmm. No, I thank you. I I have fun with see that I get interaction with. Like Mm -hmm. when I do the monthly trivia, we dress up as the characters. I did Epi Trinket. We did Shit's Creek. I was Myra. (laughs) Nice. That was actually one of my favorite characters was doing Myra. The last one we did was Pixar, and they had me dressed as Edna Edna Mole. So (laughs) I kept just pulling the computer screen really close to my face. That was a fun character. And my Edna mole started to sound a lot like my Myra yeah. <laughs> after a little bit, the voices were, I'm like, am I doing Myra or Edna now? I don't even know what's happening, <laughs> but yeah, those are fun, but those are interacting with people. And then you do these yeah. panels where you don't get to really see anybody. It's awkward.
2: Yeah. No, I, I, I do the, I run into the same thing uh, with, uh, cause I used to do a lot of guest artist work for schools as a musician. So I would go in, spend a week with the kids, you know, go in each day and talk with them about music and, and interaction, and then also perform a concert at the end of the thing. But the whole whole week you're just on. And, and uh, yeah, just missing those type of things. Because when I do them now, it's all, you know, through the screen and you, you don't get to that feedback. But we'll see what comes for everybody in the coming year.
0: Oh, that's true. Okay, we have to take a quick break and we will be right back with John Doe.
2: This is the voice of
0: Drinking With Authors. You are at our commercial break, and our commercial is, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Talking about how depressing it is, we're all stuck at home. We should go to another topic. So, um, what were your challenges in writing this latest book? What were your biggest challenges?
2: The biggest challenge came down to actually every writer's worst nightmare, which is the editing phase. You know, oh,
1: that's the best part. What do you Revision oh, is the
2: best. The hack and slash that this sucker went through. Because I tend to be pretty verbose. Um, when I, when I write and, and like my, my, my publisher and my editor and I all would decide it's like, we want this sucker to just kick you in the teeth. We want it fast and punchy. So we're going to take, we're, we're going to really work together to tighten it and, and just hack and slash the hell out of it. <laughs> Cause I had all these like broad descriptions and, and everything. It's like, well, this is like Saturday morning popcorn movie kind of stuff. So now it's just got this great punch to it and it just flies.
0: You're explaining to all the patrons in the bar and they're like, you walk into the bar, cut the entire scene, <laughs> walk up to the bar. Exactly. Well, Did you not need saying that because she's an editor, but this is the queen of rewrites right there. <laughs> You're looking at the total queen of I will Re-edit my own book 50,000 times.
1: I slash sentences with no mercy. I mean, I feel like Stephen King and Neil Gaiman and all of them will be very proud because I take their advice to heart where I just, like, killed the darlings, like, like, you know, with a samurai sword because I'm all for, like, getting to the point. So, yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and so, so was my editor. He, which I love him to death, and he is actually a phenomenal horror writer himself. I mean, everything he does. Uh, Charles Austin Muir, oh. beautiful writer. Um, and he's also just clean and tight, which I am not. You know, I like to, I like to take ten pages to describe the dirt on a glass. And <laughs> so, so it was fun. It was he, he. Our first pass. He's like, okay. I, 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 this is going to hurt, but I need you to go through the book once on your own and, and cut at least 5,000 words. I'm like, okay, I can do that. And I went through and I was merciless. I think I cut about 10, 11,000 instead. And he goes, okay, that's a good start. (laughs) And he, he took over and killed another like 15,000 words. I'm like, oh my God.
1: I'm always interested, you know, as an editor, you know, you always, you know, I go in with the best intention that I want this person's book to shine, to it be pristine, to it be, you know, but have you ever gotten your edits from your editor and it just made you want to cry or, you know, how did you handle seeing something that you were like not prepared to receive?
2: If it,
0: I like the it, dramatic it pause we have. Yeah, it, 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 There's not a break in the podcast, guys. Yeah. <laughs> John going, how do I answer this question?
2: It's like Zoom all of a sudden froze. I'm going to just stick with that. No, um, You, you know, you, as the writer, you never like to see something go away because we all believe that every word I put down is, is gold. It's except that one and that one and that one and that one. So... I, I looked, every time I looked at what he did, because when he did his final pass, I got one more look at it. So if I, you know, if I felt it was too drastic, I could, I could go back and, and do some stuff. And he was willing to let me add back things. And um, because there, there, there's a level where I, I do feel with, with some editors, and I've had a few in the past, but if, if we don't agree on something... I will at least, I, I I understand where they're coming from. But if I feel you know, like absolutely in my heart that it has to be there, I will fight for it. Like, I got an entire I, chunk of about 3,000 words of a chapter put back in because I was very strongly for that chapter being in there because it, it was like, you know, granted, it's a vampire book. You can only bite so many necks. But you can set a scene up in such a way that it's a very different horror element that it delivers well, do
1: you normally so in that instance for uh you know i always um usually when someone disagrees with me i'm cool with it <laughs> i always just ask people to like really think because you know as an editor you can never mimic the writer we can <laughs> just offer you suggestions or like tell you when something feels off but we try to at least put like hey focus on this part because there's something that's not working at least for me and obviously you can't please every reader but typically for in that instance did you feel like you fought for it but did you make any modifications to it to somehow meet at the middle where you were like okay yes i feel this is important to stay but i do need to address that there's a problem here that i do need to
2: somewhat fix both things. Um, I I looked at it and I, I caught why he didn't want it there. And yes, I went in and, and modified it so it would fit better to what he was recommending. Right. Because it, it was basically that I I am notorious yeah. for switching perspectives. For <laughs> it just like at the drop of a hat. And that was basically what had happened. And it wasn't making the right sense. So he like just kind of pulled it. And I went back and and reworked the whole thing because I I did. I felt so strongly that that scene was like one of the more tense scenes that I wrote. Like a lot of my stuff is pretty schlocky, splattery, you know, goofy Saturday night at the drive-in fun. But like that one, I I felt it carried a a certain dramatic creepiness that I I wasn't catching in a lot of my book, but I really wanted to bring into it for a little while. So yeah, I worked with him. Because that's that's what we do. We're there as a team when it comes down to that.
1: Thank you. I love you know? that. I just hey, love Vanessa,
0: that. Vanessa. I realize you've tried to turn this podcast into a why <laughs> these are great and why you should listen. No, to it. you know
1: <laughs> it's because you know I just want everyone listening that you know your your editor chose to work with me for a reason and you know you're they they, because they believed in what you were doing and they just want you to have the best version of your vision and i Mm -hmm. just i always love hearing you know those great relationships because you know at the end of the day it's not our book it's your book but we just want it to be better than you could have conceived it to be you
2: know yeah yeah and i i've definitely had those disagreements with with editors where i mean in all honesty they they took a word choice and said, I don't like that. And I wrote him back immediately and said, I don't care. I like that. And it makes sense for me and my voice. But that's very rare because the, the editors that I choose to work with, I respect. And I mean, same thing, if they are willing to work on my book, I am willing to, to hear their ideas on how to make my book the best it can be.
0: No, I I think it's, the editing is important. I take such a different approach to editing, honestly. I I was very, the first time somebody edited my work, I was hyper offended and very defensive of it. And like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. You have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Flip the table, like everything. You should all die. I'm going to find another editor. And then eventually I, I came to realize that, um, I have a massive stories that I tell in my head that are epically amazing stories in my head. <laughs> and about 80% of the time I actually get that story onto the piece of paper. And so I do need the editor to go, okay, what about this part? What about that part? And I think if you find an editor that you trust, I just go that, and I'll go back and look at what they do. And part of me starts to get that little like prickly defensive thing going. And then I go, what? you're just making me sound better next. Like I'm going to go write something else because I could wound myself. It's kind of like the revisions of the book. Like you could get yourself into revision hell on any book. If you allow yourself to go down that rabbit hole.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's the easiest thing to get yourself in the worked up about um, whether you're doing self-editing, whether you've got an editor on board. I mean, you can, you can cut till there's no, no tomorrow and rewrite it. I mean, in the, in the music world, when we do an album, it's like, eventually you have to press the CD. I'm sorry. Eventually it has to be done and you move on to your next project and hope that you can take the lessons that you learned from this project and make your next project that much better.
0: And I think that's, what's key is that you're from when you start, especially a book versus a short story, Yeah, when you start it to when you get done with it, you're already a different writer. You're already a better writer at the end of that. And so when you go back, if you don't give yourself that little allowance that you're you were a different writer when you started the first sentence of that story, you you could rewrite it. I I go you know I've seen people rewrite themselves into such a hole because they're not just letting at least the first story get out. Let it go, like mm-hmm. let it fly, let it go, because. You, you have a ton of other stories in you. Do you really want all the energy spent into, because you'll go through it again and you're still now a better writer at the end of you going through it again than you were when you started going through it again. And then yeah. you, it's like a vicious cycle.
2: It is a vicious cycle. I think with my uh, with my third Johnny Scotch book, that, that book took me the longest of my Johnny Scotches to write in that I started it and then I think I put it away, like halfway through or a quarter of the way through, I put it away for like two years and brought it back out and just like hammered through it after that. And even the hammering through still took months, but I, I would go back and reread what I was doing and I'm like, really? That, that, okay. Because it was two years, two years of experience, two years of getting edited, two years of just you know, honing my craft had gone by. So a lot of the stuff that I, you know, thought was cool was just clunky.
1: I feel the same way. I actually, because I've been writing a particular story uh, for a couple of years. For (laughs) 400 years. Yeah. 83 years. A very long time. And, like, I always feel lately like this pandemic it's been really rough writing but i've done a lot of editing for four Horsemen for other uh, for our authors and i always feel like when i spend time away especially when you work on someone else's in someone else's world and then you come back and you're like hold up i've been like skimming over this sentence for like years and i can see all the all the problems now finally there was something that wasn't i knew wasn't right but i couldn't i couldn't look at it like Objectively, until I stepped away and actually worked on other people's stories mm-hmm. and then came back and came to my story as an editor and not as, like, you know, oh, this is my child that I've been laboring over for like.
0: <laughs> Does years. that mean you're actually finishing that fucking book?
1: I am. I just want you to know that Marvel recently, just as a side note, I've been watching all the Marvel movies in like sure. timeline order and it gave me like a new boost of inspiration. So, yes
0: answer your question i've been working on it. okay well john next time you're on the podcast i'm going to sure vanessa's on here and if she has not published <laughs> the choir, you're, if, if it's not if it's not out i i want full approval that we're just going to spend the entire podcast berating her for this bullshit because it's been a long time
2: you got it
0: so long it's a beautiful story but like i don't even want to hear about it anymore because it doesn't come to fruition i love you but you you are overwriting that story we're going out eventually
1: i need to be like fun and just be like let it go
0: and just let it go i i played that song for you like 30 times and <laughs> didn't let it go i'm gonna have to get you know azita minto i'm not saying that correctly yeah good me and john travolta both didn't say that name correctly okay Get her in here and just sing to you and get that book out. It would be amazing.
2: Well, and, and, and that's one of those things that like when you've got that project that I, 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 would, I would have a feeling that especially if you are an editor, you're not allowed to use your editor's eyes on that first draft. You just can't let that happen because as we've already discussed, you're going to keep nitpicking it and wanting it to be perfect you on the first draft. the eyes,
1: Vanessa. I you know well you know what it is because I write epic fantasy so oh, okay. my whole thing is I go through a a research rabbit hole where like I didn't I didn't think about enough religions. I didn't think about how they bring food from here to here and like I spend all my time building a world book but not actually <laughs> No And I'm like nobody gives
0: a shit what kind of sash the stupid person had <laughs> on. It's an orange sash. Move on, get to the point of the story. But she's like, I raised her sashes in the you know, aborigine tribes for the last three hours. I'm like, oh my god, what are you doing?
1: I'm sorry, it's it's it, 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 it is true. Research, you do definitely go down a dark hole, and it oh yeah, very hard to get out of. It, so, where
0: did you base your wild west? How did you come to that? Actually, that's a great question. Yes,
2: where did I base? I didn't. Uh, like because like the, the, the little
0: start it from somewhere. I know yeah. it's wild west, but what did you tell me? Tell me.
2: Tell you. So Hooray. I I stuck with like the old school kind of like New Mexico, Texas, Mexico desert feel. Okay. Um because again, I I I wanted that spaghetti western filmed in Italy for some reason. kind of kind of flavor (laughs) to it um i wanted yeah i wanted rocks i wanted dust i wanted grit um i wanted just that that dirtiness to come through the pages so i i stuck to that kind of southwestern high desert
0: did you do a lot of research though because i think when you're writing in a time period and i'll let you answer this question Mm -hmm. in a second you either have to completely suspend disbelief and go, this is this other world in the West, or you have to kind of align with what actually happened. Like, I, I don't think a lot of people realize that trains were not as big of a thing in the beginning of the quote unquote old West. They went over there. We all played Oregon trail and died miserably. In yes, That's how they traveled. It wasn't railroads, you know? Right.
2: Um, I, st- I stuck, uh- I, I believe I landed on the time frame of between, it's somewhere between like 1870 to 1890. So, like, we're getting close to the, the crossover with the new century, but we're in the height of the wild, wild west. Um, and I, I, I wanted to at least nail down a rough time frame because I knew that the weaponry had to be reasonably effective for the time frame. I wanted it to be after the civil war. I wanted it to be before cars were rolling around. um, Just so that I could keep that, that kind of low tech uh, flavor to it, but like high death toll. (laughs) And the, and the fact that they're not really communicating town to town. So like if, if, if a town of 50 people all of a sudden goes extinct it would take a while for the rest of the you know, neighboring towns to figure out that that town is no longer there.
0: No, that's so, Roanoke.
1: Is there a particular just totally that you used to watch that influenced this, or do you have specific ones that are your absolute favorites that kind of made an impact when you wrote
2: this? Yeah. Um, actually, the namesake of my book comes from a one of my one of, if not my favorite, um old western which is called once upon a time in the west um it it's like that penultimate nobody's actually a good person in this movie which which i love you know i've i've talked about that when we talked about the johnny scotch stuff in the past it's like i i love extremely flawed characters so that one is one that really influenced just my my aesthetic that i was trying to go for um and then a little bit more like modern take i love the the humor and the flavor from uh from like 80s westerns like um oh come on john
0: i like john when he drinks whiskey he becomes fun <laughs> like this because this stuff going into the podcast it's just yeah. he's drinking whiskey with me and he's like i don't even know my name Thank it's you. true
2: john forgets everything when he's had a couple glasses of whiskey. Um, Silverado.
1: <laughs> oh, you ha- he's like, you called a friend? Was that your wife?
2: That was my wife.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> he yelled through the door, it's Silverado! Um, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, like, th- that... I-, I like to blend those two styles. Like, the-, the punchiness of the dialogue of something like Silverado and, like, 80s movies, which I grew up on anyways, with that aesthetic of the... the glorious <laughs> cinematography of Once Upon a Time in the West, you know, the the taking the time to have pure silence in your movie, which, you know, kind of influences a lot of my descriptive writing. I like to take the time to find the beauty in something innocuous and bring it forward. Even if I'm doing something pulpy and schlocky, I liked the reader to like be taken out for a moment, just so they can kind of soak in the visual imagery of what I'm, what I'm writing and immerse them a little bit more. So like those, that's what really influences me when I'm writing this, this world.
0: And on this world, are you intending on moving this world to a comic as well, or a graphic novel?
2: Oh, that'd be so fun. Um, my, my issue with that, I would love to, by the way, because I did that with Johnny. And when I did that with Johnny, I did that all on my own. As far as like the production, um, I hired a, I partnered with and hired I, uh, an artist who was fantastic, Dan Schaefer. Uh, he really brought that comic book series to life um, and put a, a great stamp on the, the visual aesthetic of that. Um, my problem with doing a, another graphic novel or a comic book series is just it is so pricey to get off, to get it done. If you want to do it right, Let's put it that way. If you want to do it right, it's going to cost you money. And if you don't have the money to start with, then you're, you're kind of just sitting on hopes and dreams until your next project comes up.
0: No, that, that totally makes sense. What about, um, so you've got whiskey coming out. What other, uh, fan tchotchke do you put together? I mean, (laughs) people are all about the tchotchke.
2: I know. And you know, that's been one of the debates, just amongst me, my 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 editor, my publisher, my wife. We, you know, she's she's one of my, my best influencers when it comes to putting something cool together. Um, I I've been throwing ideas around, like if uh, one of the concepts was to actually deliver. Out, sorry. You well, can you're kind still of. Out of <laughs> Where, where's my phone? <laughs> there it is. I was. I was kind of trying to play around with actually purchasing the, these wooden Bowie knives. Interesting. Be, because it's a vampire book and the wooden Bowie knife actually plays a very important part in the book. It keeps coming up because we're vampires. I, I like
0: that. I think the fact that you're going to give people whiskey and Bowie knives is a new <laughs> trend for fans. Oh,
2: yeah. That's that's definitely not going to backfire on me, right? <laughs>
0: no, at all. I am a thousand percent behind this idea.
2: <laughs> so... But my, I guess my problem with that aspect is I haven't been able to find a product that like is, is actually right for that. Um, you know, I've, I've, I went, I've spent days, if not a few weeks hunting for like the perfect thing to just purchase and utilize instead of, uh, you know, when the only thing that should be done is you just contact a woodworker and say, how many can you make me and can we do this? Uh, but then the price tag goes through the roof and i don't know what the readers are going to be willing to pay. shot
0: glasses with your whiskey i'm just i mean that might sound cheapy deepy but shot glasses as
2: shot glasses has been another one that's
1: author swag that i've sent out.
2: Yeah, that's probably the closest to actually coming out is like a a really nice possibly etched shot glass that that goes with the the whole package but
0: i think i i I'm, I'm excited about these packages. I think this is going to be freaking epic, okay, did you actually make a playlist that goes along with this book?
2: A playlist um I did not
0: so you didn't did you not have certain music? I know you you wrote music, but did you have you no. had to have certain music you were listening to
2: um, I don't tend to listen to music when I write. it actually distracts me, which is weird because I love going to loud bars and writing but Music, uh, I guess pa- partially because that's my, my other livelihood, it gets very distracting because I get too involved in the music that's happening. I, mean, I um, remember
1: this now. Yes. Yeah.
2: There's, there's definitely, I mean, composers that I admire that did such gorgeous work with this genre, or, or at least the Western genre. Um, you've got an, uh, Ennio Marcone who's the classic. I mean, if you've ever watched any Clint Eastwood movie from the 60s through the 70s, he did the soundtrack. Um, there's also, uh, oddly enough, uh, Aaron Copeland did a movie soundtrack for the, the uh, John Wayne movie, The Cowboys, which got an Oscar on that one. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely composers that I like.
0: I think you need to put together a Spotify playlist and post it on your sites. That goes with this book. So I think people that's are a... reading. They have the right, like they can play this soundtrack while they're reading. And it, it, it goes perfectly along with this book, drink you the whiskey out of the shot glasses, play this playlist and read this book <laughs> like that. That's an immersive experience you can create for people.
2: It is. That is That is. So I, I mentioned this, I think when we were talking about Johnny Scotch last time, We actually have a full hour-long show that I do live performances of when I do Johnny Scotch releases, which me and a buddy partnered and composed a, a musical score for the reading. So I will do reading excerpts and it's accompanied by this, you know, funky 70s kind of jazz soundtrack while we play. So we play and I read and the whole thing happens. For the exact reason what you're saying it immerses the audience and it makes a really fun release event
0: so it makes me sad that you haven't done that yet because you've already done it before it's not new to you
1: <laughs> the whole thing even you, you, on you on. into things uh i should know uh yeah she's notorious so if you tell her you've been procrastinating on doing something she will let she will find a way to be like come on come
2: on do it do it <laughs> do it <laughs>
1: Listen, I just want everybody to succeed
0: aggressively. I that's want aggressive awesome. Success.
2: Um, I I think the closest I've gotten is that we are going to play some of the music that I've written for the trailers and such for this book when I do the the book release on the seventh.
0: Well, that's not close enough.
2: Yeah, that's not close I, enough.
0: <laughs> I think. Well, I think you should put together though. If you have a lot of influences, I think you should put <sighs> that together as well. I'm just throwing. <sighs>
1: Drink more. Look at you.
0: <laughs> I have that effect on people too. The drinking, it's fine. I, I'm I'm fine with it. I own it. I'm good.
2: Good. So-
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think a playlist would be epic. I am so excited because I am not gonna lie. I have the sneak peek manuscript. I'm super excited. It was on some pain medicine, and I was like, I opened it, and I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm gonna wait till I'm not on the pain medicine to be able to read this. So that is, that is my endeavor this week, is to read this epic novel.
2: Oh, I, I hope you enjoy it.
0: I have no doubt I will. Trust now, me. I will now, one, reviews.
2: one thing I have been doing, it's not a playlist per se, but like for the past two weeks, I've been going on to my, my Facebook author account and, and putting out movie suggestions that were movies that, I've, you know, that are influential to me for this genre. So I, each day I've been putting out two movies, one Western, one vampire movie that I feel kind of pair well together. So you, you can always go check that. It's not quite your playlist you're looking for, but it's another type of playlist.
0: But it that's very, I I may just be forced to play, you know, in the background, mm-hmm. both interview with vampire. <laughs> And that'll be it. That's what I'm playing on both sides. And my boyfriend will be like, what the fuck is going on? Here? What is happening? And I'm like, I'm reading a book. Give me the whiskey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Make, make sure it's it's like rot gut type whiskey because, you know, you oh. want it to be an immersive experience. It has to burn.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I have a couple bottles of whiskey you know, funny, you do a podcast about drinking and people only give you alcohol as gifts for the most part. Weird. It's so weird. So weird. I had somebody the other day. Um, well, it wasn't the other day because it was before I broke my entire life. Um, show up with four bottles of, of vodka. And they were like, each one's a different flavor. Enjoy. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what this says about me. Thank you. Well first yeah, of all yeah, thank
2: you. That's what it says. And thank you.
0: Know, I, and I'm like, I don't know what this says about me, but at least I don't have to pay for it, I guess. Like yeah. it's
1: an impressive collection. If you ever go to Erica's house, she has like this whole I'll come in, she's like, Oh hey, I got every beverage known to man on this counter over here. And you literally could have any cocktail of your dream.
2: Right. See that's, yeah. that's why I love doing my whiskey reviews. I mean, I just walk into the, the managing editor and he's like, Here's a bag of whiskey Right about it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. Wow. Do I have to be nice? No. Perfect.
0: <laughs> I saw a really funny episode of a show called Cat and um, it's, anyway, it's really cheesy and it's on Hulu, I think. But she was, um, she snuck into a whiskey thing to eat crab legs and she was the whiskey reviewer and it actually made me think of you. And she's like, she's Doing them, and she's like a note of cat and licorice.
2: Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the one you don't want to get in your bag. No no, 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 no. I've had a, I've had a few of those. I will, I will admit, and I have not been nice to them, but uh, they do happen when you get those. Like, <sighs> yes, that's a note of mold. Mm. <laughs> oh my
0: god! Oh my god! Whiskey reviews. Okay. Favorite whiskey all time
2: favorite whiskey of all time it depends on my mood is that enough of a cop-out for you no, no um my honestly if i like have my choice i will generally um get myself a glass bottle of lagavulin um i i just love scotch and i love all sorts of scotch uh if you want to talk like american whiskeys. There is a wonderful company out of Virginia called Whistlepig that everything that they make, I mean, they're they're like that epitome of the like current whiskey company, which, you know, they, they farm their own rye, they process it on site, everything's done there. And honestly, it's so worth it. Um, So Whistlepig is lovely. There's also uh, a wonderful American whiskey called Laws, L-A-W-S. Really yummy, especially if you get their um, aged-in-bond whiskey, because uh, it has to go through a specific uh, process and aging process to to be called in-bond, and it is just such a lovely whiskey. Now, if you want some bad whiskeys,
1: oh, tell us the The worst. The worst.
2: <laughs> okay, I got I got contracted to write whiskey reviews for this company out of... Like, they're right out of L.A., I think. And they are basically Silicon Valley dudes that decided they wanted to do a whiskey company.
0: Oh, gosh. That's terrifying.
2: That should scare the shit out of you right away. Um, and actually, the the article I wrote got referenced by CNN Business on their on their online site because they were talking about the company, but then to give kind of that negative spin, they actually plugged my article and and linked it because I, I had, I had to endure six tastes, six different bottles of this stuff. And all they do is take a base liquor and then start mixing things to come up with a flavor for you. So it's like a custom, custom liquor experience is how they kind of brand themselves, but they're not, doing the work themselves. So it's like they're relying on other people's stuff and then they're just in the back like a couple of frat bros kind of mixing shit. Does it taste like rocket fuel? It just ugh, has a weird. taste. It, it was not fun. I'm just going to say it was not fun. How
0: does it rate versus For Loco? <laughs> For Loco is the worst liquor type experience that could exist in the world. So I rate everything versus... The taste of four loco
1: is it better than nighty light i feel like I love the beer but like that is like the epitome of piss water in my opinion I,
2: I i am going to have to admit i have reserved my taste buds to never taste either of those things you just mentioned i know of four loco and because i respect myself i've never drank it
0: yeah so my boyfriend and his his best friend and they they think this is hysterical beverage and I oh. drank it one time and what happens when you drink four loco because it's in like a four thousand ounce can
2: yeah it's like a monster power drink can isn't
0: it yes but it's malt <laughs> liquor in um, and you basically by the time you're first of all it tastes like garbage like there's yeah. it, it tastes like flaming garbage in your <laughs> mouth and um. And I could go down the myriad of drinks I used to drink Goldschlager. I could go down the myriad oh, of yeah. shit that I put in my mouth like and this thing by halfway through you are drunk and you have a hangover at the same time. I don't even know how that's fucking possible, but your drunkness and hangoverness achieve the same level, and literally no amount of electrolytes is going to right you. like that you need to just sleep it off.
2: That kind of reminds me of my trip to Scotland. <laughs> it's just like every day, I was hungover and drunk at the same time. It was lovely.
0: Oh, uh, I mean that yeah. sounds more epic than four. Loko. No, not because the taste of four loco. You're not enjoying what's happening. You're enduring what's happening. It's yeah. A
1: very I, I for some reason, I had a PTSD moment of like college with the frozen taco pizza and like four loco, and then like what is that hunch punch? I don't even know what the hell is in hunch punch, but it's like. It just sounds like
2: vomit. (laughs) Yeah. No, I see. See, see, when I was in college, I wasn't much of a drinker in college, actually, which is, I I waited till I hit my 30s to really, you know, kick it into gear. But, you know, it was always about, um, you know, beer, or, of course, because I was young, it was about the sweet things like, uh, I think it was Hornby's cider.
1: Yeah. Mm Hornby's.
2: And, and Mike's was just coming out, coming into its own right about then. So, like... It, the
1: Harlemonade uh, or the Harlemonade or... Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, so...
0: Yeah, see, I could go back further than that. And there was a wine that we got when I was 16. But keep in mind, when I was 16, that was in... 80... 90. 1990? I can do math. Hey, that me too. 18, 89. <laughs> um, and there was a wine called Strawberry Hill. <laughs> okay so strawberry hill wine you could buy for like two dollars a bottle or something it was like two or three dollars maybe a bottle wow
2: you paid a premium
0: yeah something well, it was in la it was a lot i just remember you could get it and it was right when bartles and james wine coolers came out but bartles uh-huh. and james wine coolers were like six bucks for four of them yep and this giant bottle of wine that was pink called Strawberry Fields, was like two bucks or something. And, oh yeah. yeah That's
2: right. Up. Up. That's right. Up. I mean, I guess a little more highbrow than that. You know, we used to pick up a bottle of Behringer White Zin.
0: Oh. Oh. Mm. So fancy. Look at how fancy you are. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I we had that. I had bootleg tequila from Mexico when I was in California. So I couldn't drink tequila for the longest time because... Yeah. <laughs> That shit will wreck you with the worm and the whole... Yeah, it will wreck you.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, no, it just... You You feel like you got punched in the face the next day. Of course, there was always peach schnapps.
2: Oh, yes. Oh, a sex on the beach. There's no better drink when you're just hanging out at the bar for six hours than sex on a beach.
0: Exactly. And then the one that I still cannot go back to, Southern Comfort. Yeah, no. I can't. I can't even smell Southern Comfort without having.
1: I I can't drink alcohol with a lot of sugar. Like if you try to give me like a Cosmo or any of those things, like I just have really bad memories. Like I just need. I rather just have like straight liquor, wine, or a beer. Like I can't do those crazy fruity mixed drinks. Like. See, I have mixed drinks, but I don't
0: like mixed drinks with. ingredients (laughs) Crappy ingredients
2: <laughs> that's a smart move actually I, I I have two things I really I try to avoid anymore just because of two bad incidences when I was younger one is Jack Daniels oh. I, I, I can't do Jack Daniels and I have actually had to write reviews on Jack Daniels and I'm not kind to them and then the other is actually gin and tonics I used to love gin and tonics and I can't do them anymore be, because of one night so
0: <laughs> wow are what really. my, my favorite drink now people are like what is? and i'm like it is refreshing and light it really is but you can drink <laughs> if you're not careful 400 of them and then die yeah yeah
1: mine is jaeger i cannot The <laughs> life of me i licorice makes me like think of medicine dr pepper cherry i can't go in that realm and I just, I have a bad
2: experience of just like, like well, Yeah, because at one point you drank Jaeger. That's it, your bad it, experience. It, it, was pretty,
1: it was pretty bad. Yeah, it did not end well. It did not now end what's
2: well. interesting about the the like licorice flavor, like every culture has that licorice flavored liqueur. Every All of them do what they seem. There's one in Mexico, which is interesting. It's very syrupy though in the Mexico uh, language. I can't remember what they call it. There's, of course, um, uh, the the Norse ha- have their uh, Aquavit.
0: Yeah. Well, all is- of these are called aperitifs, and they yes. you're supposed to drink them after dinner to help you digest. Yep. You were supposed to drink less than a shot glass of them after dinner.
2: What, after less than a the- bottle? What?
0: Yeah. You're not supposed to drop to, to a bottles? shot in an uh, energy drink like I maybe did many times. Basically, bombs were NyQuil. That's what yeah. they taste uh, like.
1: Great in Greece, they have—is it called orzo? Ouzo. Ouzo. yes, because I, yeah, that I think is licorice, and that is, is, is what you're talking about, where it's like yep. you sip it like very carefully because if you chug that, yeah, your well, you're aperitif-
0: not supposed to chug <laughs> I, a pair of teeps as bartender. I can just tell you, you're not supposed to chug them. You're supposed to be like after dinner, you sip on them to help you digest.
2: Then why do you serve me a Sambuca with a coffee bean in it as a shot?
0: Well, that's a whole other story. Okay,
2: there it is then.
0: (laughs) Okay, we have to wrap up this one. I've come up with some really good questions for the next one because we can't ask you the same questions. So tell people, though, how to find you.
2: Yes. So for the new book, Once Upon a Fang in the West, uh, you can find that uh, through actually Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Powell's Books. Uh, If you go to my publisher's site, it'll direct you to where you wanna go. My publisher is notapipepublishing.com. And that's the best place to find that book. If you want to join me on May the 7th for my virtual release, I will be making announcements to what that event is going to entail on my Facebook page. Um, either Johnny Scotch on Facebook or Author John Dover on Facebook. Awesome. And you can always go to readjohndover.com to find all my updates and everything else that I've done.
0: Very perfect. Awesome. Well, as always, you have been thoroughly amazing to have on the show. Thank you for coming back. Thank Um, you
2: for having me. Of course. I have been your host, Eric
0: Williams, with Mia's. And I And we'll see you guys next